Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episode 25 Chapter 19 The Hornet's Nest This week we're discussing Chapter 19, The Hornet's Nest, and Canto 3 of Dante's Inferno. Last week's chapter, Hope Abandoned, took place in Canto 3 as well. It did not, however, cover everything. I'll do my best not to retread too much. After going through the gates, Dante is shocked and saddened by the disturbing sounds worming their way into his mortal ears. It's loud, as the denizens of this place are constantly crying in agony. Dante bears witness to a group of people chasing after a blank banner. They're crying as they're constantly being stung and tormented by hornets and wasps. Their tears mix with the blood from their wounds before falling to the ground, where worms eat the excretions with delight. Virgil tells Dante that these pitiful souls are those who were selfish in their apathy. They took no sides. Hell will not take them because they did not value the evil required for entry. And heaven will not take them because they did not value morality. So, not bad enough for hell and not good enough for heaven. Many of the inhabitants here consist of fallen or unrebellious angels. They did not pick sides in the rebellion. They neither fought for the Lord nor Satan. Because they took no sides, they are doomed to forever chase a blank banner. Unwilling to shed blood for any cause in life, they are also fated to unwillingly shed blood in the afterlife. Also in Canto Three, Dante and Virgil travel to the shores of the river Acheron, where a large group of sinners have amassed. The travelers here meet Charon, who is tasked with taking the damned across the river and into hell. Charon refuses to let Dante onto the boat, telling him that the living have no business crossing. If Dante wants to get to the other side, he will have to find another way. Virgil tells Charon that he has no choice but to aid them, because it is the will of higher powers. I'm also going to take a second to say I don't know if I'm pronouncing things right. Also, part of the reason why I am not reading the actual Inferno to you. I always thought Acheron was pronounced Asheron, and honestly, I think that sounds a little more badass, but who am I to say? And I always thought Charon was pronounced Sharon. In lectures and audiobooks and other podcasts and YouTube channels and all that fun stuff, though, most places seem to pronounce it Acheron, and most people pronounce it Charon. Or at least the ones that I've heard anyways. So, I'm gonna say Acheron, and I'm gonna say Charon. 
Chapter 19 of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale, The Hornet's Nest, picks up the rest of Canto 3. This chapter finds the Tin Woodman and Mister making their way across the land. The ground is covered by worms. They come across a figure nearly identical to the one that Dorothy met in the Grey Desert on her way to kill Krista. Way back in chapter 30 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. It's balled up and could almost be mistaken for a stump. The woodman touches it and it stands up. It opens its mouth and a swarm of wasps and hornets emerge from it. They sting the creature, causing it to bleed profusely. The worms on the ground delight as the blood begins to pool. Mister is attacked by the wasps and hornets, and with each sting, they pull a thread from his body. The woodman suggests he runs, and so he takes that advice and runs until he comes to the river Acheron. With no other choice, he jumps in and is washed away. The woodman is largely unharmed here, as the hornets cannot sting him. This is also a little bit of a callback to Baum's wonderful Wizard of Oz, in which the woodman saves the travelers from the wicked witch's swarm of bees. The woodman here is largely the sinner Dante envisions, though he escapes unpunished. He is the definition of apathy here. He takes no stand against the hornets as they sting Mr., and he is indifferent to the creature's suffering. For a moment, he considers helping, but ultimately he decides to walk away. There is not a large group of sinners here, and they are not chasing after a blank banner, but I feel the near-featureless creature does enough to convey the same message. And while the river Acheron shows up in this chapter... I did not name it. I also scrapped any interaction here with Charon. Well, that takes care of the comparisons and some of the theology behind Dante's words. Not all of it, mind you, but enough of it. That doesn't mean there isn't more to say about this chapter, though. For the Inferno portion of the book, I've split the characters into smaller groups, usually duos. Dorothy and Vel, Mr. and the Woodman, Tip and Jack, and of course the Lion will be getting a strong story arc here as well. We just haven't got that far yet. There's also going to be a series of Dorothy solo chapters that take place in the past, outside of Oz, and there's actually even more to it than just these small groupings. There's more to be explored with King Lorenz and Lady Quinneth. And there's even a little bit more from Gracia and Joseph coming up as well. The foundation of this story, though, is of course its core characters. The starter pack, if you will. You know, Dorothy, Mr., the Woodman, the Lion... I felt the best way to start this new beginning of this epic journey, though, would be to split them up and give them some room to breathe, really explore what makes them tick. For some characters, maybe it's the forces of good and evil, uh, 
constantly at war with their soul, etc., etc. While it may be something a little more innocuous for other characters, like greed, or lust, or anger, or... Well, you get the idea. Anyways, this, of course, isn't a new idea. I used this format a little in Dark Days as well, and it's also a commonly used literary device, whether it's Spider-Man and Iron Man running around in the MCU while Captain America is running around Captain America-ing with whoever he feels like, or Thor chilling out with the Hulk. This is also a literary device used in one of my favorite books, Stephen King's The Stand, which is also inadvertently and subconsciously one of my biggest influences for darker days. You see, I read The Stand years ago, and then I listened to it on Audible, and then I kind of forgot about it, and then I wrote Darker Days and kind of forgot about it until it came time to record this show. Anyways, shortly before, or maybe shortly after I began recording this, I went back to listen to The Stand again, and that's when I really noticed my influences. Like starting a garage band with your best friends, and you all think you're doing great and making original content, until someone points out you sound exactly like Tool. They're all like, Awesome! You must be a fan of Tool. And you're all like, yeah, how did you know? And then they open Spotify and play part of Schism, and you realize your big track is strikingly similar, but it's too late. You've recorded an entire album, signed to a major label, and your work is all over Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, and other places, I guess. Okay, that's not exactly how it is. That reference, by the way, is a bit of a nod to the Swedish metal band Soen. I discovered them a few weeks ago, and oh man, they are flippin' awesome. Their first album, Cognitive, sounds so much like a Tool album that when I first heard it, I had to check and see if maybe it was some weird side project of Maynard James Keenan. It isn't, by the way. Anyway, Darker Days in the Stand aren't quite that similar. It's more of a Nine Inch Nails stabbing westward kind of thing. Or maybe Gin Blossom's Deep Blue Something type of thing. A few parallels that exist in a similar space. The stand isn't full of gross monsters and archaic Catholic theology. The heck was I talking about? Oh, right. All that to say I split my characters into groups to better explore them and expand the world. I like the dynamic between these two characters. I like that Mr. is still holding his faith in Dorothy, while the woodman has become a little more cynical. In fact, the woodman agrees to go looking for Dorothy, not necessarily because he cares about her, but it's almost like he feels as though he might as well, 
Because what else is there to do on the other side? Also, I like the thought of these two characters having to get along at least a little. Mister has a slightly different level of astuteness than the woodman. It's him that notices Dorothy is missing. And it's him that's worried about the buzzing sound as a potential threat. Simply put, it might be Mister who has the brains while the woodman has the brawn. If I missed something, or failed to address something you feel I should have, or goofed on my summary of Dante's Inferno, by all means, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or... Constructive Criticism. You don't have to like this show. I don't know why you're listening if you don't, but like it or not, you can be nice. I know you can. I believe in you. You can always contact me on Twitter. It's Dark Dorothy G. You can email me at darkdaysofdorothygale at outlook.com. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or yet another Twitter account. The handle for all those places are the ordinary sun. That's S U N. TikTok doesn't have much dark days content. It's mostly video games and memes there. My Instagram is a mishmash of stuff, and my non-dark days Twitter account is a mix of dark days content, complaints about Elon Musk, and short-form news radio fan fiction. I will say this about my Instagram account, though. If you check out my stories, you'll usually come across illustrations for the week's chapters. You'll also hear a little clip of music that's usually from a song that I feel encapsulates the week's chapter as well. This week's illustration was a hornet, and it was accompanied by the song No One by Cold. Of course... If you're not into the whole social media thing, you can always check out the official Dark Days website, ddofdg.com. As of this recording, it has some cool Dark Days of Dorothy Gale merchandise and a small amount of Darker Days of Dorothy Gale merchandise, along with a collection of artwork, such as photography and sketches. I've also pulled Darker Days of Dorothy Gale from Amazon. As I started recording this show, I came to the realization that it wasn't quite up to my standards. Some things just needed to be changed and made better. And I decided that I didn't want to collect any money on something that wasn't up to my standards. And besides that, I've decided... I really want the story of Dorothy Gale to be a largely free experience. If you would like to support the show, buying a t-shirt or a sticker or something is really the coolest way to go. I've got a lot of creative ventures going at all times. Photography, writing, podcasting, and believe it or not, I don't do any of this to make money. 
So if for some strange reason you do want to support me as an artist financially, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ordinary sun. Again, that's S-U-N. If you do, I'll give you a shout-out on this wildly unsuccessful and obscure podcast. I'll even send you a handwritten thank-you note, complete with a fun little sketch. If you don't want to donate to this cause, that's fine, too. I'm happy to do this either way. So come back next week for Chapter 20, The Virtuous Child, and the First Time. Thanks for listening. I love you all.